Hi, I'm Jeff Gritman. And I'm Kristen Kist. And we are the co-authors of a comedic science fiction short story series called Prison Dad. And we are here today to talk about something not so silly. We're here to talk about the loss of celebrities in 2016. Which is only a few weeks old. So right. It's a pretty big it's, bummer. Yeah, halfway through January and... And uh, we lost some heavyweights. Um, the most impactful to me is Lemmy, but we're not here to talk about Lemmy today. We are going to talk about... Uh, Alan Rickman, and we're going to talk about David Bowie. Correct. So we, let, let's start with, with Alan Rickman. Sure. So I'm pretty heartbroken over Alan Rickman being gone. Um, I've been a huge fan of his since I saw Die Hard in the yeah, theater Die Hard. when I was That's, a kid. Um, yeah. He blew my mind with his ability to play a... German character and then switch on to this really perfect yuppie American accent, but all the while he was actually English, so right. those were not his native speaking tones. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's just wowed me in everything he's ever been in. He has a way of sort of illuminating characters that you might think of on the sidelines always, mm-hmm. but they really become integral to the plot, and he really made every character he played, I feel like, had an entire life um, around them that he brought in to play in the storyline. Like, you kind of got the idea that he had really thought about every aspect of being that person every Mm -hmm. day, and especially um, his portrayal of Severus Snape. Because there's been a bunch of diehard movies. Yes. And in my opinion, the bad guy has never, ever owned up to Hans Gruber. They've never never come close. No, not at all. Um, Yeah. He was just so sinister and fascinating, um, and you know, you know, he he was really good at playing a bad guy. Yeah, he really I mean, was. Even in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, which oh, was a terrible movie. <laughs> the movie's so he bad. He was so great in it. And if you so don't creepy. think it's bad, watch it again. Because yeah. I have this conversation with people, they're like, oh, "I love Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves," and I just I just look at them and I say, "Like, just watch it now." Because it's so different from when we were kids. Oh, yeah. I was so excited because it was like Morgan Freeman, who's uh-huh. always awesome. Christian Slater, Slater. who I loved. Um, we won't talk about Kevin Costner. Yeah, he he's an actor. But like we said, <laughs> the best he ruins everything. It was when he had an English accent for like two seconds. When he was like, it's great to be back in jolly old England. Um, yeah, I'm Kevin Costner. I'm Kevin Costner. <laughs> and I'm going to ruin everything. <laughs> recurring pretty theme. much yeah. yes but um so you know, Do- dogma is another another great one that because he kind of vanished for a while i felt and then when he came back in dogma i remember in the theater like sitting there and staring at him like is that the bad guy from die hard <laughs> yeah. i didn't see him in a i didn't see him for right. a while yeah it was like it he kinda, was years. He was off the radar and he liked to probably play did theater por- yeah i'm probably sure so yeah alan rickman didn't even get into acting really until he was in his 40s he had another mm-hmm. career before yeah. he did that which just goes to show you if you have a dream it's never too late to go and and seek it out because you might end up doing incredible things correct um, i just got obsessed with watching sweeney todd again this last week because i was looking for alan rickman movies that i hadn't seen in a while and his portrayal of um the evil judge is really brilliant too um you know, he just he has, has this that tone. scruffy evil way of being um very menacing and, mm-hmm. and um just you know evil to the point where it's funny um and charming even even though like he's doing despicable things like raping people and putting children to death um 
you know, and kidnapping other children. Um, but yeah, I mean, he just, I really just loved his portrayals, um, especially of Snape. I also loved his work in, in, um, Bottle Shock, which is not a sci-fi movie, but it's a movie about, um, the California wine industry. And he was a snotty English wine tester. It's really beautiful. Um, I love wine country and it really showcases how gorgeous California is. Um, it takes place in the sixties. Yeah. Um, we didn't even talk about that. Yeah. I think Thor's in it actually, or some, some, some um, handsome young blonde man. Oh, that um, is all. But but yeah. But anyway, <laughs> Alan Rickman plays like the snotty wine snob guy that mm-hmm. like comes in and he's like, "Oh, this is gonna suck," and then he has his mind blown by how good the California wine is. But just like even little things that he was in, he just created these characters that that are so memorable and you know and and so illuminated, so sort of fully thought out and developed. Um, you know. So I'm I'm really really gonna miss him, and honestly, like with Philip Seymour Hoffman gone, um, there's very few people who I feel like really portray um, side characters in in the nuanced detail that those two did. Um, so it's it's really sad. I, I really you know there's gonna be so many movies now that I go and see, and I'm just gonna miss miss their portrayals of um, the characters that might not be the main character, but certainly add so much to the story. Um, we just we just we watched them. Um... Galaxy Quest. Right, which he's phenomenal in as well. Um, and that's, if you listen to our, um, or I guess watch, our on our website, prisondad.com, we have our presentation from ChessyCon where we, we talked about um, science fiction comedy movies, and we went into pretty great detail about Galaxy Quest. It's always been a, a, a movie I, I love to watch if it's ever on TV. I'm like, oh, I have to have yeah. to watch another one on Netflix. I'm like, I should watch that again and again and again. Right. So, um, you know, playing the, the Spock-esque Right. Equivalent to but, this, this but Star not Trek at all spoof. Happy about being no. Spock, he's total crab. Leonard Nimoy loved that oh, part. He loved being totally being... adopted it. Um, but in the end, you know, he comes around to loving it and understanding, you know, the the virtue of playing the character that he did. But yeah, like just sort of that that tortured soul that really wanted to be a serious actor taken seriously, and he's in mm-hmm. a silly sci-fi. Um, it was the the voice show. of Marvin, the the robot, the the depressing robot in Guardians, of, uh, Guardians. Of Hitchhiker's Guide to the right. Galaxy. It's only my favorite book, but like yeah. I, I can mess the name up though. Yeah, so like that that was great because the the tone and everything in his voice was just so so great. But yeah, he played a wonderful curmudgeon. Um, I love Love Actually. I watch that every Christmas, and of course Harry Potter. Um, yeah, I was gonna say that. You know, I, is there anything else we should cover before that. we before yeah. we get to Harry Potter? But you know, like, and, well, we're there now. I mean, you know, J.K. Rowling said that you know she told him. The secrets, Snape's secrets, before, you know, like, during the filming of the first movie, right. she she told him that, like, you know, uh, spoiler alert, but, you know, you, you're going to be watching over Harry this this whole time, and you're right. not, you know, you maybe appear villainous. Because in the books, you just always felt Snape was going to be the bad guy. Well, I don't know about you, Harry but every did. single book... Yeah, I guess to Harry did. Like, d- you know what, honestly, I always felt, because Dumbledore believed in Snape that he had to have some redeeming qualities that you just couldn't see but Harry had to be blinded to him because it amped up the drama um I happened to watch the Half-Blood Prince again last weekend and it's so amazing once you sort of know the full story of Snape to re-watch that and sort of see like all the nuances that Alan Rickman brought to that role because that's sort of where he's being tortured the most right because Dumbledore is asking him to do something horrible to kill you know his best friend and the only one that knows the secret of what a good person he is it's that it's his last sort of 
outpost of of someone knowing that he's good um and he has to kill him because Dumbledore's requested it and he can't like let his friend down um but it's it's heartbreaking to watch it because you know like you see Harry hating him so much and thinking that he's doing these terrible things but the whole time he's trying to teach him how to repel the dangerous curses and how to protect himself right and he loves Harry, even though, you know, he can't really get around the fact that he's so angry at James for allowing Lily to be killed. Right. Um, you know, and he's just had to kill his best friend. I mean, if you think about it, Dumbledore is, yeah, the only person that knows that Snape's good. And he's the double and agent. And he tells him, you have to kill me. Yeah. And so that's that's his last sort of connection. You know he loves Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he's heartbroken, and then he's... Story aside, we're talking about the actor, though, really yeah, nailing, nailing it. But so. yeah, yeah, like, I really feel like he really brought so much nuance into every role. Like, the cadence of his speech, the looks that he gave to other actors. Um, I think Emma Thompson said, because she obviously worked with him so many times, that, like, he could fell you um, with a look, um, but then uplift you with a joke and he was really funny. Emma Watson. Um, no, no, Emma Thompson. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, um, she, she, oh, right. Yeah, she was in love actually with him. She was oh, okay. his wife and she was also in the Harry Potter movies with him. Um, and, and other things. Cause obviously they both are very talented. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm, I'm really going to miss you, Alan. And thanks for all your beautiful work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Good. The world is not the same without you here. So, uh, yeah, to, uh, we have beers, so. To Alan. To Alan. I just poured out some beer all over my kitchen floor. Yeah. <laughs> just don't kidding, let, I didn't. Don't let the cat lick that. <laughs> um, that would be awesome. No, yeah, no, no, it wouldn't be. So, we're also going to talk a little so bit we're gonna about, talk David, about Bowie. David Bowie. So David Bowie and science fiction are, are hand in hand. So um, if we cover music first, um, Every album portrayed something about some alien civilization. Yeah, and just sort of sort of stretching the boundaries of imagination. Right, exactly. I don't know about you guys, but like anytime I happen to hear one of the songs, I always wondered like, well, what's the rest of the story of this universe that he's created right. in the song? Right. It, he like every once in a while he'd come out with something silly like "Let's Dance," but even then, like the way that 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 song was rendered, it, it's it's felt like it came from a different time. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and and I feel like that was the case with so many of his songs, where you're just like, "Wow, this is a really interesting song that sounds like something aliens would have created," and like, what is the rest of this world that he's referencing in creating this? Like the man who sold the world. Like, who who could be that man? And what world did he sell? You know what I mean? Like, it was just, to me, I really loved how he sort of stretched the boundaries of imagination. Um, he played with gender so that it yeah. was totally okay to be completely feminine or completely masculine. Um, he loved all different kinds of music. He liked, you know, soul music. He liked rock music. He liked, you know, heavy rock. He liked pop. Um and he just appreciated them, and then he did his own riff on them, which I think really brought in sort of all these interesting aspects of all the things that he appreciated. Um, and, and, you know, one of the things that he said about his art was just that he really he liked to be a collector of um, of art that he saw out in the world and sort of collect that back into himself and, and then use it to build upon and, and create something new. Um, but he was just an awful lot of fun to listen to and watch and just really fascinating. I, I loved how brave he was um, and, and also just how imaginative. Um, and then he inspired so many other musicians. Um, I loved Nirvana when I was a kid and they 
covered a number of his songs and also I joked about on Saturday Night Live this week when you know they played a clip of when he he played Man Who Sold the World in 1979 on on SNL I joked that it was like no one would know this song if it wasn't for Nirvana covering that in their unplugged um, right session you yeah. know there although like you know I was an 80s kid so I love China Girl and Let's Dance that's how I first got to know Bowie um and just and Labyrinth, of course, which was the first time I noticed a um, man's parts because he was wearing those incredibly tight Whoa. leather trousers. Oh my! So let's talk, let's talk about Labyrinth, expanding. Labyrinth, in a little more detail here. <laughs> so you got you got David Bowie. You got a lot of makeup and some really big hair. You got it was written by a Monty Python alum, mm-hmm. and the name is just escaping me. Right? Is it yeah, Terry? No, it's not it? Terry. Though it, it feels like it should Terry. be. Yeah. You got Jim Henson. Right. Coming in there, yeah, and it's the first time that, like, you know, the the he created, in my opinion, I, I could be wrong on this, but it's the first time that Muppets were not, like, I mean, it's a kid's movie, but it's, it was, like, the, the Muppets were created for, like, a, a scarier purpose, a, a darker purpose than yeah. than He's counting like, to three. Right. And, like, I love the count. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, there's... Uh, you That's know, a soundboard. Dark Crystal, had. but yeah, I mean, Labyrinth was definitely the precursor, and it was definitely yeah. Those goblins were kind of scary, and they kidnap a little baby. And you oh yeah, Labyrinth. Them. I was a little scared by Labyrinth. The, yeah, as I was a kid. totally scared. And of then it. when I watched it, when I was like, you know, like nineteen, I was like, why were they scared? By this? Yeah, but, well, because <laughs> when you're little and your sister's babysitting you, and then you can just be taken off by the Goblin King. That's not. An experience most people would like to have. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was so eerie and charismatic. Um, it was, you know, it was really an interesting role and it's a lot of fun. And I know so many people who really love that movie and have watched it over and over again through the years. Um, so, you know, um, thanks, David, for inspiring so many other artists and for, you know, sharing your uh, brilliance with the world for a while and, and you know, collecting all different kinds of art and, and repurposing them to spur people's imagination. The Prestige was definitely the last movie I can think that I saw him in, and that was ten years ago. Even I, I can't think of anything. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how long he was sick for. I realize he just released an album, um, but you know, cancer is is a bitch. I think uh, he, I think he knew it was coming, and he wanted to get the album like out there. Yeah, and it's pretty impressive. It was his first number one album. Yeah, yeah. I'm like scrolling yeah. back through here, like you know. Zoolander, obviously, you know, when you're talking about Hilarious. fashion, yeah. you're talking about, like, crazy fashion, you gotta have David Bowie in there, oh, because absolutely. he always, like, stretched all those, boundaries, yeah. those lines. And... But there's a movie, Velvet Underground, um, yeah, Velvet that's Underground. sort of uh, inspired by him with Ewan McGregor, um, you know, with these sort of beautiful androgynous um, singers. Twin Peaks, he was in the movie, the Fire oh, Walk yeah, With Me movie. yeah, he was, mm-hmm. he was, he had a... He, you know, he brings a little bit of eeriness into everything. Because he didn't act all with. that much. You know, the, the acting was always the side thing for him. Right. He just acted because he was cool, you know. He was yeah, and people cool wanted guy. to see him. Man Who Fell to Earth was, and that's yeah. a classic one. That I He's got a very of. interesting look, and yeah, he definitely pushed the boundaries of fashion. And but i got to say, his IMDb gender. page photo is not very Bowie-esque. He just yeah, looks he like just a regular looks like British some cozy guy, guy. All cuddled up. Mm-hmm. Hanging out. So but I th- um yeah I, you know that's it's really sad and I feel like he was too young and I definitely feel like Alan was too young and you know cancer sucks man yeah let me there, there's always there's always things you know going back to to let me because that's that's the one that hit me the hardest this year and like let me is like 
you know, he wants to play music until the day he died, and he pretty much did, because his, his sickness was so aggressive that he found out about one day and two days later he passed. Damn. So, it's halfway through January. Hopefully this is the last little mini podcast we, we put out here. About, people that we love are yeah, gone. Yeah, heavy influences on our genre and our lives. Unless Billy Joel is going to die, because if that's the case, hell yeah, bring it up here, brother. We'll have a party. You can die every day, Mr. Joel. All the drinks are on us. <laughs> we'll talk about how much we dislike Billy Joel for hours. We'll read excerpts from our books about how much we dislike Billy Joel. We'll play Allentown backwards and yeah. see if it kills kitties. Yeah, and exactly. Neighborhood creatures. Growing up from Allentown, you know, growing we both grew up in Allentown, and, and well, Kristen grew up in New York until she was ten, mm-hmm. and yeah. then and then moved. I I live my whole life in Allentown. It's just it's so annoying when you meet people, and they're Still. like they're like, oh, where'd you grow up? And like Allentown, oh, like the Billy Joel song, like fuck you. Seriously. Yeah, because you know what? He only called it Allentown because Bethlehem didn't rhyme with anything. Yeah. So that's... The song's about Bethlehem. It's not even about Allentown. Right. Yeah. You know? No. He has a song called Only the Good Die Young, and my sister's response to that was obviously the reason for your longevity, nah. Mr. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully he gets drunk and crashes into something again. Yeah, have some more banana yes. schnapps. Oh, you're terrible. You're terrible. <laughs> if you're listening to this, Billy Joel, we just, we don't like you. <laughs> Billy Joel's not listening to this. He's too oh. busy, like, boinking some 12-year-old that has his daughter's name or whatever. Well, okay, let's hope he's not committing a Jared... <laughs> From Subway. <laughs> as much as I don't like the man, let us I don't want him to be doing something that terrible. Right, I hope he's, he's inflicting in pain 20s. on himself. There we go. Legal age of consent in this country, Kristen Kissed. Anyway, uh, that's So, to Bowie? To Bowie. Mm. And to Lemmy. To Lemmy. I feel like we should be drinking whiskey. Mm. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. And that dude from the Eagles died, too, but I don't really have anything to say about that. Yeah, never really. Hotel California is kind of a it's neat a good song. song. I think I Hotel like California sounds it. better in um, the Gubowski, where it's done. Yeah, yeah. Like I like when people yeah. cover it. Uh-huh. I don't really yeah. care for their version. It's kind of cheesy. Mm-hmm. I, have a, I have a version where I sing it with bongos in the silly voice. <laughs> no, great. I don't. <laughs> I think they played like some cover of it in the American Horror Story, or maybe yes. it was theirs. But that it was. Pretty I think cool. you're right. I, did, I think I did. You know, that. that's about all I have to say about that. Because they were a hotel in California, right? Right. Exactly. exactly. Where you couldn't leave. You could check no. out anytime you wanted, but you couldn't leave. No, because, you couldn't. Because Gaga would slice your throat open with her magical um, Lee Press on nail mm-hmm. of doom. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Hey, do you got one of those? What's that? <laughs> no, <laughs> my nails are cut to the quick. Um, but yeah. That's it for our mini mini podcast. So we're, yeah. we're putting two podcasts out at the same time. You should check out our other one on uh, called um, "Are We Done with Vampires Yet?" Yeah, that's a lot of fun. And um, yeah, go to our website prisondad.com. Check out our books, get free stories, and other podcasts. Yeah. And we're always putting more stuff on there all the time. So it's plenty of fun stuff for you to find. So absolutely. Uh, until next week when we talk about something. Something. Take care. Bye bye. Stay classy. <laughs>